Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Brian Stunt. Joining me, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how have you been? I've been pretty good, Bryce. How have you been? Yeah, not too bad. It's not been that long since we uh, potted last. We were previewing all the games, weren't we? Getting quite excited about the return of Mexican football. Oh, yes, and it's back. It's back, Bryce. So exciting. Yes, I'm so is. happy. You know, it's, 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 this is exciting times for us because it's the first league that kicks off and the next week Bundesliga is back. And ah, it's, I love it. Football is coming back. That's it. It's good for the Football Grad Network, but it's also good for you and I to be potting once again. Eh? But we're not alone. We've managed to drag somebody else on here. And it's none <laughs> other than Ollie Duxbury. Ollie, how have you been? I've been good, thank you. Back back into it this weekend, three overnights in a row. But you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way with the Liga MX. It's too good a league to not oh. stay up till not to not stay up till five a.m. too. Oh, let's say must say we missed you last week with the uh, previews, didn't yeah. we, uh, Manu? But um, yep, you're here to uh, take us through all the transfer news uh, with the two of us, and also go through all the games, uh, I believe. But mm-hmm. um, yes, let's talk transfers before we get to all the on-field action. So, Manu, you and I talked about, well, plenty of transfers last week, and they've continued, haven't they? Uh, we've finally seen uh, Frenchman Jeremy Menes uh, go to America. Manu, what can you tell us about Jeremy Menes? What, what do we know about him? Well, personally, I have, I have to be honest, I didn't know that much about him. And uh, thankfully, we got Thomas Farines on the, the Football Grad Network, who knows quite a bit about him. So he wrote a piece for us, uh, which is up on Football Zidage. And, um, you know, given that Club America, a big club, has actually done quite well, um, no surprise there. And what I do know is he's, so Thomas, Thomas explains him as part of that 1987 French generation that was very highly talented and includes the likes of Ben Arthur, for example, or, or Benzema. Um, the problem with this generation is that only Benzema actually did something with his career. Um, Menace, um, you know, he had stints at the likes of PSG, Milan, um, he was at, I believe he was in Girondo or Bordeaux and, um, never really had that big breakout season that we all expected from him he would have. Um, he, he did decently enough at AC Milan. So, you know, kind of always flew a little bit under the radar. Uh, a good season would be always followed with a poor one. Um, a good career choice would be often followed with a bad one, it seemed. Um, the latest one be Atalia's born Turkey, which, is in many regards, if you're not going to one of the big Istanbul clubs, almost like a career-ending move, isn't it? And um, being an Antalya sport club that struggled a little bit financially, from what I hear, um, he was now able to go on a free transfer um, to to Club America. And I think, you know, honestly, um, I think there there is for for Club America there isn't a big risk here because they they got him on a free transfer, right? And um, Menes is a big enough name that. Liga MX, not only Liga MX uh, followers will notice it, everyone around the world will notice this. And I guess also, and we spoke a little bit off the pot, the three of us, with Gignac already being there, there is already such a French impact. Uh, we're going to talk about another possible French transfer involving, you know, another transfer involving a French player. And there seems to be something to that, that, um, you know, these players have a tendency to go there. But Oli, um, a striker, that's 
pretty much what the Club America does need, right? I mean, one of the things that Thomas mentions in the article is that they hadn't had one really of a big caliber since Benedetto left for Boca Juniors. Exactly, we were talking about that and probably the pod just prior our end of season pod that's saying for next season this is what they need to do and they've gone out and done that it's good to see okay Mez is probably more of a winger than an out and out striker but it just adds so, adds so much to that team I mean okay they signed Henry Martin from tier one and not the most inspiring signing but just having Menez there just playing on they could play left or left or right and potentially with like maybe Lyons on that side as well if not like Ibarra it, it just suddenly it seems he could be this final piece of the puzzle where it's like this guy, he can create assists. Okay. Score goals. Okay. He didn't show that in Turkey, but that, that that's the, a variety of reasons. You can sort of like say that his time there is kind of like void effectively. So if he can hit the ground running like Geniac did, okay. Geniac did come off the back of a really good season with Marseille. Yeah. Menez, Menez, not so much at all. So it'd probably take him a little bit more time to find his feet, etc., get up with the pace of the league. But if he if he really like absolutely wants to, I think he can smash this. And with Club America and the players they've got around him, they could again become like a real force this season. I think the big difference between him and Gignac, because there was a lot of comparisons made between him and Gignac. There were, yeah. Gignac moved over there on peak of his career. That was mm-hmm. that was the big thing. I remember when Gignac went there in 2015, right? Yeah. Gignac was just second, just finished the season in Ligue 1 in France with Olympique Marseille, which at the time were a top club in France, as the second best scorer in that league. And a bunch of clubs all over Europe were after him. And um, he ended up going to Liga MX. And I think that is a big difference between the two. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think Menez, I don't, I don't know stats off of hand, but I think just there's, there's been so much talk about like the fact that he had a poor time in Turkey and just in all types of media, like in Spanish, even in like English media as well. This has been getting a little bit, I've seen a little bit of it here and there and just saying that he just had, he, just had, he isn't the player that he probably was a number of years ago now. So it will be interesting to see how he does adapt to this league. If, it, if it, maybe he will try and talk to Geniac, just see like what's the best things to do. Okay, they live in different cities. They're going to be living in different cities, but it'll be just think like what's the right things to do, the right people to talk to, how to sort of settle down. And then hopefully from there, the, the football will just sort of will just carry on from there, really. Do, do we think that Menes is possibly uh, making this move as well, um, in a similar way to Geniac did, to try and get into that French squad again? I mean, we've seen Geniac uh, get a call-up, didn't we, mm. um, when he moved to Mexico? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in Europe were saying, well, he, he's over there, yeah, he's scoring goals, but you know, he, he's not going to be up to you know, to the pace or whatever. Don't think Gignac really ever had that much pace anyway. But um, uh, Menes, um, you know, might be hoping that, you know, if he can do a good job, that then he'll be recognized as well and, and called up into that World Cup squad. I'm sure I'm sure there's many reasons why he went to Liga MX, but maybe that's another contributing factor. I would have laughed at you about a year and a half ago, Bryce, but then Gignac was called up for that Euro 2016 squad. and Exactly. And did quite well, you know, and he sort of showed, well, actually, this... Liga MX league is no different than playing in, let's say, you know, not necessarily Spain, Germany, uh, or France, or Italy, but it's no different than different than playing in Portugal or Turkey, right? Um, or even or in Eastern Europe, France has called up players from um, from the Russian Football Premier League, for example, right? That league is on that kind of level, and I think Gignac has shown that that you can play in Liga MX, and if you do well in that league you will play for France. You will not necessarily start, which, I mean, Gignac didn't start before that anyways because Giroud always was the starter. And with Benzema being on that blacklist, God knows why. Why not, right? If Let's say Menes shoots the lights out over the, 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 the second half of the season and surprises all of us, which it would be a surprise for me if he does it, then why not, you know? Um, he will definitely get the playing time, that's for sure. Well, do you think that uh, there's possibly a bit of snobbery um, over in Europe? They look at, you know, the teams across the water as in, I mean, if a player moves to MLS, they don't really get considered, do they? You know, you know, in in you know the German side, the English side, maybe the French side or whatever, uh, and then Liga MX is almost thrown in with them. I suppose the only difference we could look at as well is that Menace is going over there rather out of form. Virginiak went over there very much in form with 21 goals in in his final season in France. 
Yeah, but you know, Junior was actually on that uh, French national team. Is such a weird place. Uh, they like putting players on a band list, um, ban players for behavior, etc. There's so many politics in French football, and I believe when Gignac went over, um, he was actually sort of not part of the national team either. And then you know, um, politics slightly changed, and he was back in. And um, French football is kind of odd. You point about. Um, there is definitely a bit of snobbery still going on. I mean, Jovinko is a fantastic player and he, I, I'm pretty sure on his current form, um, he could, for example, help Italy, but he plays in MLS, so he was never called up, right? Um, I think that this is, there's a case for that. Um, Liga MX is a bit different because it, it's still a place for mostly South American players and those South Americans, I mean, Chile, we talked about Chile. What was that about half a year ago now, right, guys? And mm-hmm. the, the Chilean coach actually tells his boys, go to, go to Liga MX. You will learn how to play the football there that we need to succeed on the international level. So I think Liga MX, um, because a lot of the South Americans go and play there, South American countries will call the, those players up. So it's a, it's a bit different. It'd be interesting to see what happens, Bryce, if there's more South, more Europeans going over there, because that could happen, right? Um, with the money that is available in Liga MX. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if more Europeans go over there. Yeah, I, I think they should. I think, you know, um, there's there's enough, um, I suppose, well-respected players that seem to head over towards, you know, Turkey or maybe like Greece uh, and least like this and maybe, maybe don't acknowledge Liga MX, you know. Maybe do, would think that it would be a bad move for them as well. But, you know, we've seen that just how powerful the league is, you know, and so how much good it can do. And Gignac, you're getting into the uh, European uh, championship squad. I, I think that only sets a good uh, example as well. You know, um, hopefully, hopefully in the future, you know, the international sides will recognise them a bit more for their work um, across the water. But um, let's get back to the point. I think um, we're we're going to talk about transfers, aren't we? We're getting a little bit uh, off top, but quite an interesting one. Um, let's go to another transfer uh, where we've seen, I had to look up the pronunciation of this one. I'm not going to lie, uh, but left winger Andres Ibarguen. I think you got that right. Um, from racing is uh, moving to America as well. Uh, Ollie, do do you think that this is uh, another positive move um, for Herrera and his men? I mean, we did talk about how the end of the campaign uh, last time out they they really struggled for goals, and you know, bringing in players like this can can only be a good thing. Definitely, yes. Yeah, another attack-minded player again, a guy who can play on both wings and also sort of off the striker. But yeah, he comes in from racing. His time there wasn't all that great. He sort of had a, a good bit of form toward the, toward the end of the year. But apart from that, his time there wasn't that successful. Before that, he was at uh, Atletico Nacional, where he did have a real good time there. I think like, he would have been part of that side that won the uh, Libertadores and did so well for that sort of year before they got split up. I think he joined, he joined up back with uh, Uribe now, who was at Nacional for that period as well. So it can only be a good signing. I mean, they're probably going to have, they're going to, seems like they're going to lose a couple of attacking players as well. You've got Carlos Quintero, who's uh, linked with Millionaires of Colombia, but basically he started the weekend. And then Cecilio Dominguez, the sort of youngish Paraguayan, who he was reported to uh, to not be registered for the uh, Corsera, and then he was on the bench. So, I mean, I don't know what's going what's going on there, a bit of smoke and mirrors maybe. But again, if, they, if, if they, those two say, for example, but if, even if they don't, they've got these two attacking players now. And it just, it just again, just adds to the point that America, they've, they've seen where the, the problem area is and they're sorting it well. They've got a, they've got a could be a quality signing in Menes and in a bargain could be a good player to sort of come in and fill in a bit when the likes of maybe Willian Uribe, to a lesser extent, in Barrett aren't firing as much. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it, it's an area that they needed to address and it, it seems mm-hmm. like they're, they're, um, they're, they're making a conscious point of, of trying to resolve it right um do you see um then i mean manu and i obviously spoke uh in depth about our our predictions ahead of uh the close air but but, i mean ollie how how do you see america getting on after these uh transfers do you do you see them possibly pushing the likes of tigres and uh monterey you know for the title I was saying all that saying about how good these transfers could be i just i i just can't see it i just it's I still think Monterey and Tigre are just still on, like, just, just, just that bit level above them at the moment, even with those two signings, they, which could be good ones. It's just, there's there's such a gulf 
at the end between Monterey and Tigra and basically the rest of that chasing pack that something dramatic needs to be done by the team, by the side. Okay, America side Menes that could could be like a changing point for them, but but when you look at Monterey have signed Oretta Vizcaya from I think that's how you pronounce it from Pachuca and their front lines now are even more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Tigra, okay, they haven't really signed anyone as of yet, but their their side is still ridiculously strong. It, I think that they'll, they'll get closer to them, but I at least for this close era, I just can't see them getting that close enough. What about you, Manu? Has your opinion changed? We we thought that they could be uh, dark horses, but thought it would be um, a little bit like what Ollie was saying, that they'd probably fall short. Well, it depends a lot on what uh, how Menace will, the impact yeah. of Emenes and uh, Ibaguin. Um It's an interesting signing. You know, that Atletico Nacional side was very good. They did they, I remember when they when they won the Copa Libertadores, they actually were that strong that they had two full squads. Um, so you know they have a lot of very good players in that side. So we'll see. I mean, <laughs> we were going to talk about some of the results and uh, some of these results on the first match. They were pretty surprising, and the Club America, without giving too much away, they got their job done right um, mm. without these new signings. So we'll see. I mean, it all has to gel too. It has to be chemistry, and then it depends on who prioritizes what uh, in the in the second half of the season, you know. Um, and all the, all those factors will play into it. So um, I guess time will tell. But I'm with Oli. I think that both Monterey sides are on paper at least stronger. That's it. So things don't really change there, in your opinion, and neither do they in mine to be honest. Um, but, um, yeah, guys, uh, more uh, transfers to talk about, or possible transfers. Um, Ollie, you brought up a fantastic one which um, nearly knocked uh, Manu and I off our seats. Um, <laughs> if there's any truth in this, this will be fantastic. But um, Remember, though, uh, the source is the same than with Menace, and we laughed it off, so... Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, exactly. You never know. You never know. We, we shouldn't rule these things out. I mean, crazy things happen in football, especially in Mexico. But, um, Oli, uh, let's talk a little bit about the possible uh, move of Sami Nasri to Tigres. I mean, that would be probably a bigger sign than Menace, because with Nasri being with Man City, I mean, it would be, again, coming from Antalya Spor from Turkey, who clearly having a terrible time at the moment trying to get rid of all these high-earning players, but it would be absolutely remarkable signing. He would... I, I, it, it will probably be on a par with when Juniak arrived, that sort of big signing, because this guy... It's, 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 it's hard to get your head around. Like If, it, say, this, this does, this, this does like, come off, Tigre will... Their side will be even more ridiculous. I mean, they, they may not need an attacking player, but if they have the chance to sign someone like Nazri, who we know what he can do from, okay, maybe only like three or four years ago now, but I get, we just bring so much to this league and it's another Frenchman as well. And, and speaking of Frenchman being linked to a club, I also, also saw that um, it was pointed out to me a few days ago that uh, Bafatim Bigomis was also linked with Club America. Oh yeah, that's so right. Yeah, there just seems to be a thing at the moment of just Frenchmen coming to, coming to, coming to, coming to Club America and then coming to Mexico. I just feel like I, 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 I talked about the, uh, the menace signing the other day, and potentially the Nazi sign with the uh, other analysts that where I work at. And we were saying it's, it's normally these things either go one or two ways. It, it could go the Geniac way, and he becomes an absolute legend for the club, or like when Andy Delort signed for Tigre, he was there for six months, did absolutely nothing, and now back in back on back with Toulouse, I think. So there's there's that fine line where you can either be incredible, or you just do absolutely nothing, but I mean, going back to Nazari would be a ridiculous signing. Mm. I'd be, I just, I just, I would be very surprised if T would do go for it though, considering the strength they've already got. It, it would, I don't know if it would make that much sense, especially with it being another sort of filling up foreign player slot as well. They have to, someone would have to drop out. But it, is it one of those that's, you know, you you'd probably look at the squad and go, is he the type of player that we need? No, but he's such a big name. Yeah. If you, you know, have a chance, why would you pass it up, effectively? Yeah, and that that, that may be an offer that they're like, well, it, it's better that we go for this and then deal with the consequences, you know, of, yeah. as you said, of dropping someone out. And you know what? Um, when he played for Sevilla last year before he got injured, he looked very good. He, he did. He looked absolutely superb, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think there's still... 
there's still some in the tank for him. Again, we're we're talking hypothetically if if he goes there, but I think it would be a fantastic signing. And I think if he could, you know, get in shape. I mean, we've seen that he gets a bit almost lethargic on the pitch, and he looks a bit a bit heavy at times. But but when he's good, he is fantastic. Oh, just, well, yeah. just don't give the cell phone to his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I. Yeah, I think uh, I think his off-field antics uh, should be uh, kept well away. But you know, we we talked about Ravel Morrison, you know, and his off-field antics, and so far, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some wood to touch here, you know. But um, he's behaved himself, and he's he stayed away from those Mars bars, you know. He's discovered tacos are far better than Mars bars. <laughs> I, th- I think that may have happened, and if it has, he's, he's you know, I, I can only agree with that. As well. yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we did talk one of our first podcasts, maybe the first podcast, we talked about uh, Torres uh, possibly going to Liga MX, which yeah. we were all very excited about, and unfortunately it didn't happen, maybe one day, but um, we'll we'll not uh, hold our breaths on this one. But um, it, it's good to see uh, big names being linked to the league, right? So... I suppose we better move on once again. And uh, we're going to talk about Zell Ryan. Uh, it looks like uh, Ollie, he is, well, it looks like it's more or less a done deal, him going to uh, River Plate. So th- this was kind of knocked around a few months ago, wasn't it? But it looks like uh, looks like he's on his way out. He sadly is, yeah. Oh, he's such a good player, Zell Ryan. It's so such disappoint- a good player. So disappointing. It's like, yeah. whenever he just like plays, even just like off the bench, just like, oh, Freddie just started because he is class. He is so class. Like there's so many times last in the would have been the twenty seventeen plus era and he just like he just just so good. Like he's technically he is ridiculously good. He's like his, his close control is superb and he can strike the ball as good as anyone I've seen in the Gramex, but for whatever reason I think being Argentinian doesn't exactly help and when you're playing, in, especially in, with the aperture just gone, you're playing with Duenas and Rafael Carioca in the middle, and you've got that four going forward. There's just there's just no space for him, sadly, and there's just tight times towards the end where he was just missing out altogether because there's no need to have another attacking player on the bench. So I'm, I'm sad that he's going, but at the same time, he will get game time at River Plate, and he will show Ferretti why he should not have let him go. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, that's uh, he's a very good player, Bryce. Um, was fortunate enough to see him live in stadium, and he, he's very good. Um, but you know, this the side is just so deep, and mm. um, there's just not very much room to play him. And um, maybe an indication that Nasri is coming in. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, if one falls out, going out. So I'll tell you, you heard you heard us uh, just uh, putting fuel on the Nasri fire, right? <laughs> oh God, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's true. I think they've got enough depth there that you know that I think they're going to be okay if he does go. But um, I agree with Ollie. It's it's going to be a bit of a shame to lose him. He, he he's always statistically as well. You know, uh, I remember any time I went to look up stats, do any sort of a stat article for uh, football grads and. He he was always there or thereabouts on many of the stats. You know, he 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 was a, such an exciting player. So a bit of a shame, but yep, after River played, it looks like he's heading. Um, guys, let's move on to another hot topic. Um, Jonathan Gonzalez. Um, Manu, where, where do we begin with this? Oh, he's decided to play for Mexico. Boom. <laughs> well I mean, um, well, we've begun and ended with that. So on to the next. <laughs> well, it's you know this this we've been sort of hinting at that. I think in a couple of parts that it's it's about going going to happen. And uh, the latest is now that he's uh, requested because he's allowed to make one switch, right, or one nationality switch, with, uh, and um, 
because he held both passports uh, from birth, he's allowed to do the switch, and he's he's officially requested the switch with FIFA, who you know give him his background, where he plays, where he lives, um, his dual citizenship, etc. It will be pretty much a shoe in for him to be eligible to play for L3, and that is huge news because he's a 19 year old um, midfielder who started for one of the two best teams in Liga MX day in and day out. I think Oli and I, we, we talk quite a bit about him and uh, his potential. And, um, you know, he's now going to the World Cup in Russia because, you know, you don't make a nationality switch unless the coach tells you that that's where you're heading. And uh, I think we'll be seeing Jonathan Gonzalez as a Mexican city citizen very soon playing in Europe because... You know, if he plays with L3 in, in the, at the World Cup, lots of clubs will notice him. And I know that uh, Borussia Dortmund, for example, have an eye on him. Uh, so, yeah, so that's an interesting one. And because he's a U.S. citizen, yeah, he can move to Germany, I believe, before he's 18. Uh, he, doesn't ha- he doesn't have to wait. But that doesn't matter. He's already 19, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, so it's something to keep an eye on. But it is big news because, you know, the U.S. and the Mexicans, they like to squabble over players like that i'm, I'm kind of looking in uh, from the outside as a canadian we as a canadian when it comes to Concacaf, um you know we don't ever get to talk about players like that and as a german i don't see either one of them as a competitor so <laughs> let them fight <laughs> over over it but jonathan gonzalez looks like a real deal realistically germany have no competitors let's just move away from that i think <laughs> you know maybe con- some people might say it's controversial it's not it's fact um let, let's go back to Oli for a second. Um, how um, how big a uh, part do you reckon uh, Jonathan Gonzalez will play for El Trey in the uh, World Cup? As Manu said, it only makes sense really if he's been told that he will go with that squad to the World Cup. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't contemplate it, right? You you pick the one that's going to give you the game time. But do do you see him being a, a big part player? Potentially, I think like here. I feel like oh, sorry, we'll t- test him out in the friendlies first of all to see how he goes. But if he if he plays like the way he does for Monterey, like this, I would, maybe not like why not, but you, you, at least like get him off the bench a few times because he is class. I I I think unless he if he does something like remarkable and, like in the Clausera and the friendlies and proves to sorry why he deserves to start, then why not? But I would be surprised if he does start any of the games, given his age and relative inexperience. He's only been basically in first team football for about six months now. So it would be a hell of a gamble. But again, if you if you're good enough, why not? But but yeah, age wise and everything with Osorio, he does it does like to rotate, but I I I think a, a bit part player for the moment. And if he can show and he he will be able to show if he gets off the bench what he can do, then European clubs will definitely be sniffing at him. Yeah, let's say he's definitely got the potential, and he's young enough, isn't he, to mm-hmm. make a bit of a marker. And if he if he was to get a bit of game time and impress, it's only going to um, add to his demand, I would imagine. But uh, guys, it feels like we uh, we do this uh, quite a bit. But Javier Hernandez or Chicharito possibly coming back to Liga MX. Uh, Manu, is, is there any uh, you is are, are there any legs in this? And uh, where where's he being linked with now? Uh, LAFC is one, and then LA Galaxy, and then I I heard talk about uh, Liga MX as well. Um, Chivas always look at bringing him back, right? So, mm-hmm. but um, maybe you two living in London, you can tell me a bit more about how he's going, getting on in West Ham, because it doesn't sound like he's he's shooting the lights out there. Yeah, not no. really. Yeah, sorry, Bryce, after you. No, no, I mean, I suppose. Um, I haven't maybe followed him uh, close enough to, um, you know, to, you know, in, in watching a uh, West Ham. But uh, even speaking to some uh, West Ham fans, you know, over here, and yeah, they they've lost a bit of hope uh, with him. You know, not completely, but they they seem to acknowledge that he's uh, struggling to find his touch, and it he definitely doesn't seem himself. Um, I, I think we've seen a, a much more potent uh, player at uh, Bar Leverkusen. Obviously, a man who you and I would have seen him. Uh, quite a bit on there, you know, and then reporting for the Gagan Press in our podcast, and he he was always a poacher. He was the the fox in the box, as some would say. You know, he, he was he was always there to uh, finish off chances, and 
it hasn't really happened for him uh, at, at West Ham and he's struggling a little bit. It, it, it hasn't helped at the start of the season. Um, West Ham, you know, under Slav Bilic, you know, really struggled. You know, defensively, they were a shambles. They, and they didn't seem to then really make enough chances up top for him. What the West Ham fans have acknowledged is you know, his work rate. And, you know, we, I don't think that's ever been in question. You know, whatever club or whatever level he's, he's played at, he's always ran his socks off, hasn't he? But he's always had goals as well. And West Ham, they've just dried up at the moment. Um, he, uh, he has come back from an injury, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, things just aren't working out very well at the moment. Maybe it'll change, you know, now that they're under new management. But, um, Ollie, have, have you seen much of him or spoke to many people about him? I spoke to what the Premier League analyst for him, and he, he did say he started off well, but then, like I said, he did. He had a hamstring injury in about like mid-November, and that was coupled with the time when Moyes took over as well. So he's and obviously since then, Moyes has obviously changed things around a bit with the way he plays his team. And Hernandez doesn't really fit into that. I did actually, and so that sort of affects him a little bit. I think since Moyes taken over, he's made two league starts. I think, or it might even just be like one, or maybe just one league start. I think that was against. Uh, Tottenham at the weekend, uh, the weekend. Sorry, a lot in the midweek he didn't do much then as well. But I did watch the game at the weekend when they were away to uh, Shrewsbury in the FA Cup, and he did not look good at all. Just couldn't mix it against the Shrewsbury defence. Just like didn't look, but I don't know if it's common if didn't look bothered or just like just wasn't feeling it. Just like he just, he just you would think against Shrewsbury he would look to be like really trying not not impose himself but like showing that okay this I deserve a spot in the team and I'm gonna try and do it but he just never really did and it was just just disappointed watching him thinking like you could there's so much more that you can do and you just I, 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 I don't I generally don't know why he's not doing it at the moment oh and just like looking at this actually I was I quickly sc- scrambled online just to see a few stats David Moyes was at Manchester United 2013 to 2014 season and uh, and Chicharito was still there at the club, mm. um, and he, he he actually got twenty four appearances, but actually it was his worst season in the Premier League. He only got four uh, goals. Oh, I wonder is is that a a bit of a, a clash there? Yeah, maybe he, maybe Moyes uh, doesn't trust him, um, and maybe maybe they just don't get on. You know, sometimes these things happen, mm. don't they? You know, and after after that, then the next season Moyes was gone and. He was a uh, loaned out, so um, yeah, there might be a might be a something going on there. Maybe they don't really see eye to eye, or, or one doesn't trust the other. I don't know, but um, maybe a move would do him good. But um, I, I mean, January um, before the World Cup can see some crazy moves, can it? Um, you know, when people are eager to get a bit of form going into the World Cup. I mean, it would be hard to say that he wouldn't start games in the World Cup, but um, it would definitely help. Eltre, if he was uh, in good shape, wouldn't he? Um, so, yeah, maybe we'll see a move. You never know. Um, but, yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, who else have we got? Efron Juarez uh, to MLS. Uh, Manu, um, you described this as a big loss. Well, I was wondering how big of a loss it is because we chatted a little bit off. Um, right, Ollie Dunn saying that mm-hmm. that you didn't feel like they really needed him, um, which yeah. is it's a fair point, I guess, because you know Monterey haven't really played him, <laughs> and um, the the question, of course, is did they not did they not play him because a move is imminent because the the, the move isn't done yet, but um, it looks like he's headed to LAFC. Although there's been some weird rumor. That he might go to the Whitecaps. Um, personally, I don't think there's much to it. But yeah, it looks like Efren Uar is, is off to MLS, LAFC. And, you know, that was, he was once a very promising player. And um, just in recent years, just not, you know, that big of an impact player anymore. Yeah, I mean, his game time at Monterey is just plummeted completely. He was only playing in the aperture when players were injured from mid-November onwards, basically didn't get off, didn't get off the bench at all. And he wasn't even in the, in the squad for the game at the weekend. So that's probably coupled with the fact that he will be on the move. But yeah, they won't miss him. They, they got um, Efrain, another Efrain. They got Efrain Villard back on loan from Toluca, who can, mm. who can also play 
left back and right back. So, and he's probably a little bit better than Juarez. So there, there really isn't any need for him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, not that big a loss, then, <laughs> if we're going to put it down as. Yeah. But, um, guys, let, let's talk about matches. Um, I think we've talked about transfers uh, long enough, and no doubt we'll have more transfers to talk about in the uh, coming weeks. But let's talk about the first weekend um, in the close era. Um, Ollie, we'll obviously go to you, as you've watched probably every second of every game. Um, <laughs> part of your job, but uh, as you said, you you enjoy it as well. Um, and yeah, let, let's start off with uh, Tigres. Um, well, I, su- I suppose Manu said that it was possible that Tigres uh, might just take their eye off the ball slightly um, and focus uh, more on CONCACAF. And that seemed to have happened, uh, or there could be other reasons, but they lost 2-1 to uh, Puebla. Uh, Oli, um, how did this go? Um, were Tigres bad? Were Puebla you know, you excelling um, you know, in the first uh, match day? Or, or what, what exactly happened in this game? Puebla really, uh, Puebla really impressed me. I mean, I don't, I don't get to see much of Puebla, but just they were really, really good compared to how they were in the Apertura, which are times just, I mean, absolute dire to watch. It's like almost as bad watching Querétaro, but it's just, it just, they've seemed so rejuvenated. It was, they were they playing a lot better football than Tigre and knocking it around well. They created loads of chances. I mean, there was one chance, for example, where it, the ball, if they had VAR in Mexico, it probably would have been, it would have been given because it was over the line because we made a bit of an error. So it could, this could have been 3-1, could have been 4-1 as well. Tigre were abysmal, like absolutely dreadful. Offered just absolutely nothing going forward apart from a goal, which was all down to an error from the keeper. Basically just dropped across and Valencia basically tapped it into an empty net. Apart from that, created very, very little. But potentially this is down to the fact that they didn't really have a pre-season. They've only been back in for the game. They've only been back training for like 10 days. Didn't have any friendlies in Puebla. Obviously didn't get into the, into the playoffs. So they've basically been off since end of November, able to have a proper pre-season, getting three friendly. So they're going to be probably a bit more fitter, but you still expect Tigre. I don't know, maybe they expected maybe they could just like show up and just try and get through the game, but they were found out very early on and just, they're lucky it was only 2-1, I would say, in the end. Ollie, would you say that they're probably going to focus more on CONCACAF? Is, is that the impression that you get? Um, I mean, we've seen teams do it before. Or do you think Puebla just played well and, as you said, maybe a bit of fatigue? You know, was it was more likely the issue? Possibly. I mean, we we, we all know, we all acknowledge, and we've discussed this before. Tigre are slow starters, so okay, it's not. It won't be the end of the world for them. They've got 17 games to go if they want to get into the playoffs. But I do think they will be looking at the Concaf as a thing they want now. They didn't get it last year. Lost to Pachuca in the final. They've already won the Apertura. So if they, if they don't win the Clausera, is it the end of the world? Probably not. If they win, but if they don't win the Concacaf, it could be. So I think they. I think maybe not at the moment, but there's going to be a point where they will put all their eggs in the Concacaf basket and go for that because that is the thing. I think Ferretti is. He seems a, a desperate to win, given how close he got last year, and he's just not gonna. Not that he won't. He won't bother with the league, but if they just get, they'll they'll try and like sort of like stumble into the playoffs and sort of just go from there, then. They Tigre will do what Tigre will do when they get to the playoffs, but yeah, Concacaf is where it's at for them. Yeah, Manu, have you got anything more to add on the uh, on the Tigres loss? Yeah, notorious slow starters. No, I mean Oli pointed it all out. I think I, I go more or less well along with that, and I I'm pretty sure that by you know the end of the season we'll see Tigres among the top three uh, in the league standings. Yeah. Well, there we go. I suppose um, let's see how uh, Tigres do. I mean, next week if they get a win under their belt, uh, we could be uh, looking at them with uh, very different glasses on. But um, let's talk about the other uh, Monterrey side in uh, Mon- the Monterrey Monacos uh, game, which ended one-one. Um, Manu, we suggested that uh, Monacos are a bit of a dark horses, possibly. Uh, this campaign after doing very well last time and so that, that there might be a possible upset here I suppose an upset it was in that uh, Monterey were at home and it was a draw uh, barely anyone could stop them uh, in the uh, Apertura and you know a, a draw I think uh, Monarchus will, will take yeah even though you know it went very well 
for Monterey. They only had 37% ball possession, just like how they like it. And they love uh, that. They <laughs> love that. <laughs> Makes no sense whatsoever, but they do like that. Um, yeah, I, I think this is this is very similar to, to Tigris. You know, they were in that final as well. And Monaco's are a very good side. And uh, we spoke about last week that, yes, you know, Monterey did kick out uh, Monaco's in the semifinal of the Upper Tour Liguela. Um, but at the same time, uh, the Monaco's have been one of those really resurgent sides and they were able to hang on to some key players. And I think that really makes a difference for them. And um, they're one of the the few sides in Liga MX that actually like to have the ball, which has been a big topic, right, for us, the, the fact that Liga MX sides are sort of afraid of having the ball and, um, you know, try to, to hand it over as much and play with the least amount of possession possible and still win. Uh, and Monarchas don't actually do that. They like to play football. It's um, But... They're a good side, Rice, and I think that they have learned quite a bit from last season, you know, going deep into the playoffs and um they will they will definitely be thereabouts when it comes when it comes to the Liga MX standings in the end of the Clausura again. Yeah, I mean Oli uh, you obviously weren't uh, on the podcast last week when we talked about the different dark horses that we may have and mm-hmm. you know Manu and I said to you about how well uh, Monarchus had, had done in the uh, in the last campaign and you know that they might possibly go fairly deep uh, this time uh, winning it might be a little bit um, too far but um, how good is this uh, Monarchus side you know, uh, and how far do you see them going? I could see them going as far as they did last year, if not make it even further. They are a really good side. I think it's important to mention for this game, they they got a point against Monterey away without two of their best defenders. Ashley was sort of struggling in midweek, and I was a fit to make on the bench. Sebastian Vegas, who's a young, young guy who they got from Chile, who's been a, quite a revelation in these past six months, was out injured. And one of their main centre mids, Rodrigo Miller, was also out injured. So they have to do this with sort of a, a, a put-together defence, basically had a couple of young, one youngster in there in midfield. It was a bit of a, not their strongest one as well. And they just, they did look good. They they are a really good side. Uh, to get a point away at Monterey, especially after the humiliation they got in the last, that, that was the last game they played, getting absolutely battered 4-0. And I was thinking, since that first goal went, I was thinking, oh no, it's going to be the same again. Because Monterey were looking good, they were creating chances, but Monarcos stayed in it. Sosa, I mean, had a superb game as, important for him to do after he had absolute nightmare in the last one against Monterey. And they just sort of kept pushing. They created some really good chances on if another day they had they could, they could have scored two or three maybe and deservedly got that penalty right at the death to get the draw. But yeah, I think maybe quarterfinals, semifinals are a push, but Monarchs have been such an incredible side for the past year now that you never really know them. They could go to the semifinals. I think the finals a bit much, but semi-finals again would be good for them yeah i would say i would i would absolutely agree with that you know and it might just be uh, i mean we see now monarchus um we're very close to getting relegated manu and i speak plenty of times about yeah. you know, how fantastic that was but now you look at them and there's you i think what they need to do in this campaign is establish themselves i mean they went from almost going down managed to get into the league on that occasion but they went into the Ligia again um, in the mm-hmm. Apertura. And I think they need to almost cement this, make it a consistent thing, you know, make it that they are one of the guys that you know, are constantly getting in there. You know, they can improve in that squad as the years go by, you know, by improving that reputation, bringing in that revenue, you know, and really establishing themselves as, you know, one of maybe not the top four, but maybe the top the top six teams, you know, and and go on from there. And you know, if they can get to a final. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen in, in knockout football. And I, I, I see a, a quite a bright future for them at the moment. I mean, in Liga MX, you know, things can change so quickly, you know, with the nature of the league. But it, it, things are exciting for, for Monarchos, uh, you know, and, and their fans at the moment. But let me just ask this question. I'm going to ask to, to both of you. So we just talked about, you know, a, a bit of a, 
a shock in both of those games for the results. We've seen uh, Puebla winning 2-1 to Tigres. We've seen uh, Monterrey drawing to Monacos. Well, Monacos and Puebla play each other in the first game of the uh, the weekend uh, ahead. Uh, what way do we see this going? Uh, Manu, do you want to possibly call this one? Or what way do you see it? Is It's going to be quite an interesting tie after the last week. I'm going to put my net on, neck on the line and say Monacos are going to absolutely destroy Puebla at home. Oh. Wow, well, oh, you, you said that Puebla played pretty well uh, last week. Um, do, do you see them getting hammered by Monacos? If they defend it the way they did, probably not. But this Monacos at home just seem to... They, 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 they use the space well, and they seem to yeah. drag players out of position. So I would also agree. Maybe not as much as a hammering, but I would, I would be confident to say that that is a Monacos win. Yeah, and it'd be a huge win for them too. Yeah, I mean, um, it's yeah, it's, you know, Monacos they look pretty good against Monterey, and that ball possession game that they are very good at will help them against um, a smaller side like Puebla. But you know, the the thing is too, and we almost forgot about this that this Puebla win, Bryce, has uh, pretty big implications when you look at the relegation standings, mm-hmm. right? Very much so. Yeah, I mean, it it gets them somewhat ahead. You know, it's. You're looking at Veracruz, as we mentioned last time, Ryan, you know, on, well, we said it's based over three seasons and, and the, the teams at the lower end, you know, have all played three seasons together. So it makes it a bit easier in uh, points total we can work off rather than averages. But it does mean that Veracruz are sitting on 89, where Puebla, that pushes them up to 104. And that's a substantial difference, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm. You know, Veracruz... Carataro and Atlas, you know, those three teams have to get quite a lot of points um, to all surpass that. You know, uh, obviously Atlas are only a few behind, but, you know, if Querétaro and uh, Veracruz have a hell of a season, it throws them into the mix. So all of a sudden they, they have to get points as well. So it does put them in a rather safe spot, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, Ollie, it would be um, a catastrophic disaster after that opening weekend, if Puebla went down after this. Oh, God, it will be, yeah. But I'm 100% confident that Veracruz are going down. There's, there's, I, I foresee no way they can stay up. They're just a rubbish side. <laughs> I think the game against... Uh, I, I've, I've watched half of the game against Nicaxa, uh from the weekend, and it was putting me to sleep. It's They were just utterly boring. Veracruz didn't look... Just looked all right defensively, but going forward off of nothing. I, I, I can't see... I, I think I, I, I generally think it doesn't matter what the other sides do. I just don't think Veracruz are going to have enough to stay up. So regarding relegation, I think relegation for me, it's pretty much already rubber stamped. I know it's a bold call with like, so many games to go. that There'll be egg on my face if they do stay up, but I, they, they are just not a good enough side for this league. It's okay, Ollie. It wouldn't be the first time someone would get an egg on the face on the football ground network. <laughs> we all had our blunders. Um, yeah, I just yeah that, to... that's what we do, Ollie. <laughs> um, they did make up a point to Carataro. They did, so they're slowly getting there, but it's it, it's still it's still a no. <laughs> it's a snail's race to uh, stay in the league. It, it really is, isn't it? I mean. Ollie, you're you're probably not far wrong, really. Um, no. I I, I want to see it at least get close. I'd like to see a bit of action done that yeah. end of the table. You know, uh, it it just adds to it, doesn't it? Uh, you know, we we've seen if in recent times, you know, the um, it get rather close down there, and you know, it's, it's almost as exciting as who's going to get into the like, yeah, you know. So I I hope it's at least close. But as as you said, Ollie, Veracruz have, are not instilling us with any confidence really are they but never a Carataro really um but um uh, talking of Carataro let's um speak about uh, Hernandez uh Club America side who um unlike the uh two Tigers side managed to um get a win they actually did have more possession than their opposition which we don't seem to uh see very often in the game at the moment but they they managed to win this one a one nil um Ollie, how, how were Club America? Um, do, do they fill you with any confidence that they could possibly uh, win this uh, this campaign? Uh, not in this match as such. They were perfectly fine. They didn't have to do a lot to get past Querétaro. They basically Querétaro sat back with a five three two. It's basically a 
almost like a five for one, the most like deepest five for one I've ever seen at some times, especially when it was nil nil, often nothing going forward. So it was America did not have to do a lot to get this victory. It was just a one goal victory in the end. I think if they needed to, they could have gone through the gears a bit to get a second, a second and potentially third, but they didn't have to. Quetaro's best chance came after about 90 seconds. Apart from that, nothing at all. So it didn't stall me with confidence that they're going to suddenly they're going to tear the league up. But at the same time, I think it's what Manu touched on. They got the job done. Didn't have to really strain themselves. They can move on. Beautiful goal too by uh, Henry Martin. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, really nice strike. It's it's on YouTube. If you haven't been able to watch it, go watch it now. It's yeah, f- fantastic touch and sc- uh, shot, sort of like a half volley kind of thing. Um, perfect execution and uh, the the ball flies a little bit differently um, at the height, at the the elevation that Carretaro and you know Mexico City and of course all these cities around that area. So um, you, you see some fantastic goals there, um, and that was definitely one of them. And you know. Um, it's interesting too the the four three three, Ollie that Club America used yeah. a bit more vintage, right? I guess that is sort of to prepare the side for the new signings. I think it is, yeah, definitely to sort of get get them used to this sort of tactic, yeah. And it it it, it works per- again. It just it worked well. They looked they linked well going forward. Definitely, maybe Barrow is a bit of a weak link, but I think Menace will come in for him and. Mm. Look good, but no, I think it was it was it was it was refreshing to see them actually try something different than this, this standard five at the back. It sort of, I think, I think if they'd have played five at the back against Quaratara, who were also playing five at the back, that would have been even duller than what it already was. So it was good to see them try, uh, see Herrera try something different, try and mix it up, and he, he got the result and it worked. So hopefully going forward, this is what he will go with because if they go back to that five at the back, like a five four one, and mm. sticking Menes out wide, and that I I can't really see it working because it didn't work with the majority of all the other attacking players. Yeah, definitely. I agree. I think it's a bit more vintage than what we saw yeah. when doing the Benedetto era, right? Uh, the, mm-hmm. the more attacking approach and more straightforward approach. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see, um, you know, how Herrera will integrate all these new signings and possibly all the new signings that may arrive um, until, I guess, what is it, January 31st, that the transfer window yeah. closes. So, yeah, it will be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, very much so. I think um, Herrera is very good, isn't he, with his man management. So it'll be interesting just to see how he, um, he works, uh, the likes of the, the new signings, you know, in, in Menes and Abuergren. I think I got that right. But, you know, it'll be, a, it'll be interesting just to see how he uh, manages them and if he can get the best out of uh, Mendes. Um but um, I, I feel um, well, there's there's so many points to talk about here while, while we're running out of time. But um, uh, Oli, you've seen Santos Laguna versus um, Lobos, which ended 4-2. That that was um, a hell of a game, quite frantic. Last game of the weekend. Um, one, um, how was that game? Uh, are Lobos same old, um, throwing everything forward but can't defend? Um, how were Santos? That will be the second question. And third, of all... How do you see Carataro uh, getting on against Lobos in this coming weekend? Lobos, of course, same as same old. They can't defend. It's just that they they signed a defender from Atlas who was pretty poor. He was poor in this game. The whole defense was poor in this game, and they look quite good going forward. I mean, that's just that's just how they're going to be. They're probably going to stay up. They'll be fine because they'll they'll be able to outscore some teams, but. There will be times where they will concede four and five. And this is just one of those games. First half, they were getting absolutely torn to shreds. I'm surprised it wasn't like six at half time. Janini scored. He's got a perfect hat trick, left foot, right foot, header by half time. And then Santos Laguna sort of took their foot off the gas a bit in the second half, slowed down, did get another goal. But if, again, they wanted to, could have, could have easily got seven or eight. It was just, they was creating chances from all over. And Lobos just looked all over the place at the back. Santos Laguna could. They could be potentially some dark horses because the, the problem with them last season was they just did not they weren't scoring goals. Like I think Furch was probably their top goal scorer. He scored I think he scored eight, but apart from that, not barely anyone else got any goals. So it's good that Janini's scoring now. They've also got Jonathan Rodriguez there as well, as well who was who's picked up injuries quite a few times in the Apertura. So I think they could potentially be one to watch for me because they've sort of if, if defensively they are rock solid if they can just get add goals to their game they they can be what they were like a couple of years ago now and then Lobos versus Querataro 
I mean, it's a clash of two styles, boring versus exciting. So well, I have no idea what way that could possibly go. But I would, I, I would back Lobos because they will score goals. And Croataro, okay, they've got Puch, who's still building up fitness, but probably isn't fit enough to start at the moment. And if, it, if, if that game against America goes anything to go by, I, they're not going to be able to. If, if they if they don't score against Lobos, I have no they then I have no idea when they will be able to score. And you reckon that Volpe's going to be rather busy for a yeah, change? Oh, definitely. Well, for a change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely. Volpe will, again, show why he is just ludicrous. Yeah, unbelievable. But I, I, was, I felt that we needed to get all of that out of the way because I, I wanted to ask the question about you know, who it, or how Club America are going to get on against Pachuca. But that leads me to let's discuss the Pachuca Pumas game. Um, yeah, let's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Manu, you and I uh, spoke last week about how Pumas have, have been pretty poor. Um, and obviously, as soon as you said, well, like Pumas, actually, they've been a bit of a nightmare, um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, or since you get, bought your shirt all that time ago. But um, th- on this occasion, they managed to win uh, 3-2. And, yeah, what a fantastic third goal. Eh? Um, Manu... We have to go to you on this one. We have to talk to you about it. You can finally talk uh, in good spirit about Pumas. Yeah, that uh, that last goal. That was the icing on the cake. That was uh, classic Nico Castillo. Um, I mean, the entire game was classic Nico Castillo. It had his best. He was he was just outstanding. But this last goal, that was for me the the goal of the match day. Just the the way it was played from out of the back. Uh, great one-two part, ta- part touches, and then uh, Castillo is off to the races. And you know, the moment he races on, onto uh, towards uh, Blanco, the the Pachuca goalie, you just know that's going to be game over for Pachuca, and he's gonna score and put that away. And that was the the third goal in a row, the third unanswered goal in a row for uh, Pumas because they were they were down two uh, nil in the first half, and uh, you know, two sides playing very good football and uh, I think that was that was just an outstanding game all around and it was just Castillo who was good right Oli we talked about before pot uh Kisuke Honda he's he's finally arrived uh he's he scored scored a wonderful goal as well and it, it was kind of funny because he's the, he scored a goal and uh the the cups were raining down from the stands <laughs> uh, the stands and uh yeah what a great goal that was as well and it's just all around a great game and uh it's it's Great seeing Pumas finally scoring lots of goals again because that was what got me really excited about the side when I first started watching Liga MX was actually Nico Castillo and and his goal scoring habits and the his the power that Puma represented and that kind of football style and there was a lot of that on display again on on the weekend and it's nice to see it coming back and um, I think you know I hope it's not a one off um, there's still a lot of work to be done but you know. Pumas, they they won all. They have won all the important statistics in, in this game. They had a less amount of possession, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which 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 games, <laughs> but they had the most amount of shots on uh, on target. Um, so classic Liga MX, right? You give <laughs> the opposition the ball and you hope for the best. No, but uh, seriously, uh, I think you know both sides. I actually thought that Pachuca were quite good too, and I think that um, there could be a bit of a resurrection from, from both sides going from this game. Yeah, so then that obviously, well, actually, talking about um, possession, uh, we always seem to be like, oh, the team with the least amount of possession has managed to win the game. Uh, so there was uh, five winners on uh, match day one, and actually Club America were the only team to have more possession than their uh, opponent. So that means the four other winning sides all had less possession. There's definitely some type of trend on here, guys. We're, we're on something. We've, we've been on something for a while. We keep tracking this now. From now on, we'll keep keep tracking this because I'm really curious, and you know we do have a little bit of a working project going on that we we're gonna get a video put together to explain, get this explained to us, and of course our listeners and uh, the people that follow us and read our stuff because this is a trend. You know, yeah. if only one something's team, going on. If only one team wins a game with the majority of possession, then the, this is no longer a fluke. That means that as soon as your keeper gets it, hoof it upfield. And just wait 
and just wait, play the waiting game. But look uh, at the look at the game winning goal that uh, Puma scored in this game in particular, right? Yeah, like that was it was a quick the the the, game, the ball was won, and I think it was three or four touches, and then it was Castillo off, and the goal was scored. And Puma, I mean, the, well, the, that's it. There was probably two touches, probably covered what fifty yards. Yeah. Maybe I'm exaggerating that, but you know, and then he just runs through on goal and finishes it. I have a feeling that you know that that's the the trend we've got here. I mean, Monterey didn't have the ball; they sat deep, and then they just battered people, you know, with a lightning pace up up top. And I suppose the thing is, when you burst, you know, from 30 yards from your own goal up to the uh, six yard box of the you know the other end, you know, you don't have the ball for very long. Yeah, you know. It'd be but, interesting too to factor in uh, elevation in into this, like how many of the teams that sit back deep and try to play that quick ball forward are teams that come from lower terrain, playing often in the in in higher terrain, like Monterey, for example, right? Just something we'll, we'll factor all of this in. I think we're, from now on, every match day, we should we should talk, just look at the statistic and see who did what and. Um, what it means overall because it, it's an interesting one for sure. Next week, everyone will have possession and win the game, and we'll be like, oh, scrap that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could happen, but yeah, it could do. Um, guys, uh, let's talk about um, well, well, we'll talk about some um, the games coming up uh, this weekend and just very quickly before we go. Um, Ollie, um, very quickly, we haven't got much time. What game would you like to uh, draw people's attention to, or do you feel that uh, people should tune in and watch if they haven't watched Liga MX before, and why? I think the one that we, I think we briefly discussed this off pod, and because it's uh, an absolutely perfect time as well for UK listeners, it'll be at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Pumas versus Atlas. I think that'll be a really good game after the way Pumas played against Pachuca. If they can, again, do some play some of the football they did. I mean, that third goal, I think I described it on Twitter as sexy. It was just, I mean, the, the, the backfield pass from Alistair to Castillo was like, I was just like going up, like making, because it's just, I can't even describe how good, it was just so good just watching it. Like, it's on YouTube, it, go watch it there. Yeah, go do it, because, <laughs> I, because I, me mumbling like this is not doing it any justice. Yeah. It is class. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I, I can see that being a good game. And I think I said on Twitter, the Pachuca Pumas game, show that game, to start, if, if you want to get someone to League MX, show them that game because this is what the league is like. And if Pumas play anywhere near as good as they do do against Pachuca, especially going forward against Atlas, there's going to be goals again. And when you've got a player like Nico Castillo, you've got Ravel Morrison for Atlas, so you've got the English connection there. I, I can see this this being a, one of the games of the weekend. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. I think we were all pleasantly surprised to see that it was on a rather UK-friendly uh, time, wasn't it, of 6 o'clock on Sunday. And, you know, the games are always to be found on YouTube. You can get them on there. Um, Manu, uh, would you like to just second that? Or is there any of the other games that you'd like to highlight for any reason? I'll, I'll definitely second that. Maybe uh, uh, some of the other games are, of course, at terrible times for our UK listeners, but we have lots of listeners from over in the States as well, right? So um, I think the Club America against Pachuca game will be an interesting one for many of the same reasons. I mean, Club America, we've highlighted Jeremy Menes is, is likely the, the, the play, right? He will he will feature. And then, of course, Pachuca, can they, because they were actually good despite losing, they were actually really good to watch. And I'll be curious to see if they can if they can replicate that sort of performance. Uh, against Club America, and uh, it will be the first big test for Club America to see where they are at um, in the season. So that would be the game I would highlight. Good choice, a very good choice. But guys, th- that brings us to the end of the uh, podcast. Um, Ollie, what have you got going on in the next couple of days that you'd maybe like uh, to draw people's attention to, or just where can people find you on the likes of uh, Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at fr football Ollie. Uh, next few days, I'll be watching a couple of more games from the weekend, and then we're straight into the Copper MX. So I'll be covering that on some Wednesday morning and Thursday morning for me, and then it's back onto the weekend again. So the Mexican football is back in full swing for me. No sleep Certainly. for Ollie. No sleep for Ollie. <laughs> None at all. Uh, Manu, you've always got plenty going on. What would you like to draw people's attention to? Yeah. Bundesliga is back on the weekend, so um, the previews 
we, we usually cover three games, right? Uh, we'll be previewing the Bayer Leverkusen Bayern game and then the um, Leipzig against Schalke game and then the Dortmund game on the on Sunday against Wolfsburg. And uh, Chris is in some of the stadiums. He will be live, so we'll, Football Crowd will be live on location. And uh, I will be on Saturday. I will be at the 1860 game to um, do some research for the Howler article that I'm doing. So um, that will, will be my task for Saturday. Yeah, and uh, other than that, I mean, this this podcast will all on Football Grad, Football Grad podcast. Um, we're, we're basically bi-weekly right now because of the winter break in Russia, but the Football Grad podcast will doing a special pod tomorrow. So that will be out, I guess, later this week. Thanks. Exciting indeed for the Football Grad Network. Um, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. All I can promote is Bundesliga is back. And also, as uh, Ollie and Manu said, that exciting Sunday game. Definitely tune in, guys. Um, apart from that, thank you very much for tuning in. And we'll be back very shortly. Thank you. Bye. Vamos. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at Conair.com and search Unbound. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.